Yes. So this is this has been a very long year for many of us, and we didn't really know what this year would be about when we first kind of stepped into the year 2020. I don't know about you guys, but I was so optimistic about this year. I was like, man, 2020 is the year. This is when everything that has been held up, everything that's been bottlenecked, this is the year where it's all going to happen. And man, here we go. Everybody get ready. We're going to run together. And then two months into this year, we have this huge, you know, like curveball of a pandemic. Um, And it kind of sent us, you know, uh, panicking a little bit and yet... um, Having been a few months into it, already it's been six, seven months that we've been into this. Um, having gone through the last six, seven months of a pandemic where week in and week out, we're trying to make do. We're trying to adjust to circumstances that perhaps are less than ideal. Um, as we are already mid-September, believe it or not, I'm starting to look back on this entire year and realize that even though this was a very challenging and very hard year, we're probably stronger than we've ever been before. Like there is this resilience, there's this, you know, almost like holy stubbornness, like no matter what happens, no matter how long this goes for, I am not willing to let this year just pass us by. I don't want to just spend this year, you know, scraping by. I actually want to make this year fruitful. I want to come out of the year 2020 having been strengthened in my faith, knowing the word better than I did before, having given myself to prayer more than ever before. And there's a sense of, all right, the challenge is great, but the fruit and the potential for this year is even greater. And so I've been so, you know, personally challenged by the response of this community that, you know, moves forward no matter what the circumstances are. Now, last week, I preached on the vision statement of the church. What does it mean to call a people, call all to the feast? What does it mean to be able to delight in God and savor God, even in the midst of these circumstances? And perhaps this is one of those years where this is being tested more than ever before. Are we able, even in these circumstances, to feast on the goodness of God? It's not an easy challenge. It's not an easy endeavor, but that is still there for us to take on head on. What does it mean to live a life, not just of religious duty? Because religious duty is not going to make us out of this year. It's not going to get us through this year. What does it mean to live a life, not just of religious duty, but of freedom of empowerment, of joy in the midst of trials, and of empowerment in God. What does it mean to live a life fully in the gospel? And so what we're going to do today is a little bit different from what I did last week. Last week, and most weeks, I just take a passage and I expound on it and I preach on it. But today, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're actually all going to go through the Bible passage together. We're going to unpack it together and we're actually going to end today by praying through it. So this is a passage that I actually preached on, believe it or not, maybe two years ago, approximately two years ago, when we were going through a very difficult and challenging season as a church. 
We were going through a season where, you know, the rug was pulled from under us. We didn't really know if we were going to make it through the year. We were going week by week. We were seeing, you know, waves of people come, but also waves of people go. We've been through seasons where we plant churches and we close down church plants. We've been through highs and also through very low lows. And it was in the midst of probably one of the most challenging seasons that I actually preach on this passage. And this passage is Psalm 23. So wherever you're tuning in from today, could you open up your Bible? And if possible, I don't know if you guys are, you know, um, really strict on this. If you normally like highlight through your Bible and if you take notes on your Bible's margin, I encourage you to do that as well. Because we're going to go through this psalm verse by verse. If you've been a believer for a long time, this is one of those passages that you tend to underestimate because you've heard it so many times. It's like, yeah, yeah, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, blah, blah, blah. Like, we've heard this. We've seen pictures, you know, of this. We've gone through this in youth group and in children's ministry on VBS. But today we're going to see how this psalm that often we relegate to, like, this is just a Thanksgiving psalm. It often relegated, oh, this is for the good times. This is actually a a passage that can become a battle cry that gets us through difficult times as well. So we're going to read very slowly through Psalm 23. And if you can follow along in your Bibles, I'm actually going to be reading from the NIV 84. And it reads, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This time I'm going to... Read it one more time, very slowly. But this is what I want us all to do, even in this room and also at home where you're tuning in from. I want you to close your eyes and do whatever you can to get rid of distractions. So if your phone is buzzing, you know, if there's different things that are in your peripheral vision, you know, make sure that you're, you have your eyes closed. I want you to just take a moment to be fully present or as fully present as you can. Just become very aware of the rhythm of your breathing. I want you to put your hands on your lap with actually with clenched fists. With clenched fists on your lap. And in your mind, I want you to picture maybe one moment that was very difficult for you this past year. One challenging moment. From this past year. It could have been yesterday. It could have been five months ago. It could be something to do with your family. With your job. 
with your finances, with your mental health, with your friendships, with future decisions, whatever it may be. In your mind's eye, I want you to hone in on one moment that was very challenging for you this past year. I want you to think about how you felt that moment, what thoughts were going through your mind, all the different alternatives that were running through your mind, the worst-case scenarios that were running through your mind. I want you to stay there, and I'm going to begin to read through Psalm 23 once again. Just keep your eyes closed and stay focused on that moment. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He leads me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to keep your eyes closed. And now just as a symbol of surrender, I want you to unclench your fists. Palms up. And release that anxiety, release that fear, that crippling doubt. Release all that pressure, all that tension to the Lord. Father, we choose to say yes to you this morning. In the midst of uncertainty, we choose to surrender it all to you and say yes to you once again. We choose to believe that we have a good shepherd, that you know exactly what you're doing. You know exactly what we need. You know exactly how to provide for us and speak to us, encourage us. You're a God who's good and who's faithful. And despite what our circumstances may say, despite what the voice of the accuser may say, we choose to put our trust in you once again today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can open up your eyes now. This is the power of Psalm 23. It's not just any psalm. It's not just any song. And often when we see pictures of illustrations of this, 
you know, you see Jesus kind of bathed in soft light, you know, like cotton white sheep surrounding him. And there's like these hills all over the place. And man, you can see far into the distance. There's blue skies. Cell times of your life. When you associate this chapter with perhaps the most difficult times of your life. When you are in the midst of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But it's maybe in those moments that you need to remember this psalm more than ever before. And if we could get this passage down in our hearts, down in our souls this year, especially in the year 2020, I feel like it would be quite the success. If we can get this passage really deep and embedded in our souls, anchored in our souls, this would have been a year of great fruit. Because if there's one thing that this passage gets at, and this is how it works for me, it pinpoints our need and our obsession with control. It pinpoints our own desires not to look to someone else to be our Savior and our Lord, but my need to control my circumstances and my life. I don't like uncertainty. I don't like curveballs. I don't like it when I have to adjust to things all around me. I want to know exactly what's down the road. I want to know what's happening next week and next month and next year. Even when I'm not a planner per se, I need to know that I'm somewhat in control of my life. But this psalm gets at that one weakness that I have, and that is my need for control at all times. Because this is very much how I've been conditioned over the years. When I was young, you know, I am a middle child and I'm the only girl between two boys. So I have two brothers, one older, one younger. I constantly felt like I had to prove something. You know, like, oh, they get to do something, then I, I'm going to prove that I'm able to do something. I could be just as tough as them. I could figure it out on my own. I didn't need to be coddled or shielded. So when I learned to ride my bike, when I learned to ride roller skates, when I learned to drive, when I took my first international flight on my own, when I went off to college in a different country all on my own, when I bought my first car with my own money, when I got my first full-time job, every one of those instances my mantra was, I can do it myself. I got it. I got it. You don't need to worry about me. I got it. I don't need your advice. I don't need your help. I got this. And that was my mantra as I grew up. Life had conditioned me to want to control things. Even now, as a single woman, as a lead pastor, living as a foreigner here in Korea, learning the ropes as I go, going through a season and a year of great turmoil as someone living away from her family and learning the ropes of a job that is often overwhelming and unpredictable, everything in my flesh wants to feel like I'm in control. Everything in me resists against this need of having to relinquish control over my life. And this, in some ways, is very practical. I have to ask myself, when I head out the door, did I lock my door? Did I turn off my lights? 
because no one's going to pay the price for that other than myself. Did I forget to pay the bills? If I don't pay the bills, if I don't do that, then my light, my electricity, my gas is going to be cut off. What happens if I make major mistakes in my job? I might get fired. I might lose my job. And no one else is responsible for that other than myself. What happens if I mismanage my finances? You're not going to be broke. You're not going to be broke. I'm going to be broke. I'm going to bear the consequences of what I do and what I don't do. So I ask myself, what happens if I don't do my due diligence in making sure I eat and sleep and read and work and play? Life has taught me that I need to take care of myself and no one else will do that for me. On the other hand, life has also taught me and God has also taught me that when there were countless times that things could have gone terribly wrong. When I didn't do my part, when I didn't do my due diligence, God showed up. He intervened. He reminded me that it is he that has my life in his hands, that I don't need to figure it all out, but that I have a father who will provide for me and a shepherd who will lead me. And that's what it means for me to acknowledge in a very real and tangible way, not just in an abstract theological way. That's what it means for me to acknowledge that I have a Lord and I have a savior that I need him, that I need his mercy and his grace every day in my life. It looks like that motion that we just did letting go of control, relinquishing control and surrendering to him once again. I wish I could say all it takes is just once And you're set for life. But that's not how it works for us. Just when we have, you know, surrendered it, a day passes, two days pass, maybe even two hours pass. And already we find ourselves trying to grasp for control. And so we need to do this over and over and over and over again. So I'm going to walk us through this chapter I'm going to walk us through Psalm 23, verse by verse. And as you're following along, I want you to make notes on your margin if you have space for that. Otherwise, you know, make notes in your journal. So verse 1, it starts off by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. What this verse means is not, Hey, haven't I given you everything you need? Stop being greedy. Stop wanting things other than me. That's not what it means. It means the Lord is my shepherd. I have no lack because I have a good shepherd. I have no lack. It goes on to say, he makes me lie down in green pastures. That means I have provision. That means that in moments where you're in between jobs, in moments where you look at your bank account and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this month or unexpected expenses come your way, or you don't know where you're going to move to next month, or you don't know what's going to happen with your transition. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It means that I have provision in this good shepherd. Next. He leads me beside quiet waters. This means that I have peace. Doesn't matter if there's a pandemic going around us. 
doesn't matter if there's unemployment going on around us. It doesn't matter if there's problems in my family and problems in my personal life. It means that I have access to a peace that transcends all understanding that's simply based on the fact that I have a good shepherd. I have peace. He restores my soul. That means that I have refreshment in the Lord. It means that when you're ready to give up, it means that when you find yourself fatigued and burnt out and ready to throw in the towel, that there's actual refreshment in the Lord's presence. Let me tell you a quick story. This past week, it was a very, um, it was a very challenging week for me. And then when it came to Thursday evening, it was time to lead, you know, uh, an hour long worship uh, through K1. And that's one of the most difficult positions to be put in because nothing in me wants to worship the Lord at that moment. I want to wallow in my self-pity. I want to, you know, say, woe is me. And, you know, I want to be left alone. I don't want anything to do with anybody at that moment. But being put in that position, because I have to worship the Lord, it helps in some ways because it forces me to take the focus off myself and now put my focus on the Lord. And I have to believe at the very beginning of that one hour watch, I have to believe that there's actual refreshment in God's presence, that I can actually access something where I feel the weight coming off of my shoulders, where I feel the tension being released, where I feel the stress kind of just draining from my body. And that's available to me as I fix my eyes on God. There's actual refreshment. It can't be that when I go into the place of ministry and worship, that this becomes something that is draining for me, that this becomes something that is a job for me. And this is, I have to grit my teeth and get through it because this is my job and this is the right thing to do. In that moment, I'm not doing anybody any favors. I need to know when I come before the Lord, God, I feel wiped out. I feel fatigued. I feel tired. I feel emotionally drained. Is there real refreshment in you? Can I have a taste of that? Can I drink from that? Can I feel your hand upon my life? Can I hear your voice speaking to me? And as I do that, I actually begin not just to theorize about some hypothetical refreshment that I have in the Lord, but I actually begin to step into it and experience it and taste it for myself. I actually have refreshment at his hand. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It means that I have sanctification in his hands. I have sanctification. Even when I lose my way, even when I begin to detour, even then, God has committed himself to make me more and more like Christ. He has committed himself to make sure that step by step, I walk alongside this path of righteousness. That even though I begin to lose my way, he will begin to rein me back into where I need to be. That makes me feel safe when I make mistakes, which I do all the time. 
that makes me feel safe to not have to know exactly what I need to do because God will begin to guide me. If it's not the right way to go, he'll begin to shepherd me in the right way to go in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Next, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I love that this phrase is here in the middle of this passage because it is so real and it is so raw and it is so true to life on this side, you know, of the fall where I wish it was all great and dandy and just, you know, flowers and unicorns and rainbows all the time, but it is not. And we walk through trials and we walk through difficulties in this life. But I need to know that even though I walk through those valleys of the shadow of death, I have sustenance in these trials. There's a hand that sustains me in the midst of that and carries me through those trials. Next, I will fear no evil. It means I have boldness in the midst of hardships. It means that I don't just have to make it through. I don't just have to get by. I can actually have boldness and confidence in the midst of these trials, in the midst of these hardships. For you are with me. This is the reason why I have boldness. Because I have company. Because I'm not alone. There's a God who holds my hand and carries me through. Even those moments where you feel most alone, even in those moments where you feel like no one is there for you, we need to be grounded and anchored in that truth. God is there with me in the midst of those hardships and trials. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It means that I have protection and discipline as a son. Let me tell you what is the most scary thing for me to picture in my life. It's not that I will go through hard things. It's not that I will go through challenges. The most scary thing that I can imagine for my life is that I start going the wrong way and God doesn't correct me. I start going the wrong path and God says, well, good luck with that. Well, you've chosen for yourself. Well, just go on your own way. That's the scariest thing that I can imagine for my life. Can you imagine if God never intervened in your life? And 40 years from now, 40 years from now, you look back at your life and you realize that you have strayed so far from the Lord and he never reigned you in as a son. He never said, hey, that's not right. He never said, hey, like this is something that is going to, you know, eat you from the inside out. This is, this is a sin that you need to uproot from your life. This is a habit that you don't want to hold on to in your life. If there was nothing in God's heart to discipline me as a son, that I'm not his son. Probably the scariest scenario for me, because that ultimately means that I'm not his son. It means I don't belong to him. It means that he doesn't think he's my father, who has a right and a say to discipline me. And so there's a sense of comfort that comes from knowing that my shepherd, he will not hesitate to use both his rod 
and his staff. The rod is to fend away enemies. The staff is to rein me in from where I'm going astray. When he sees his flock and his sheep called little Susie straying away, he's going to employ that staff and make sure that I'm back into where I need to be. He will not hesitate. And that is such a comfort. That means that I am his son, that I don't need to be paralyzed by making wrong decisions. I don't need to be paralyzed by making mistakes. But because I'm a son, God will use his rod on my enemies and my staff and his staff on me. That brings me great comfort. That brings me great confidence to be able to walk on this journey. Next, you prepare a table before me. It means that I have abundance. I have abundance. Even when things are not ideal, even when circumstances around me are not perfect, I have abundance in God's presence. In the presence of my enemies, it means that I have victory over my enemies. I love this part about this verse, I mean, of of this psalm. Because if you can imagine it, you imagine Satan, the accuser, sitting right in front of you. And it's as if God says, watch this. Susie, watch this. Satan, watch this. And he spreads a table right in front of you in the presence of your enemies. It means that you have victory, not in the absence of enemies. That's not a victory, right? You need an opponent to be able to exercise victory. In the midst of the accusation, in the midst of the condemnation, in the midst of the enemy, that is the place that God chooses to spread a table for you. You have victory over your enemies. Next, you anoint my head with oil. It means that I have favor and nothing can take that away. It means that God's favor is over my life. God's hand is upon my life. God's Holy Spirit is upon my life. Even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, even when I'm surrounded by enemies, even in the midst of that, he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. I have everything that I need in his presence. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. It means that I have God's hand on my life. It means that I can't outrun his goodness and his mercy. Even if I tried to get away, his goodness and his mercy would follow me, would pursue me. Not just yesterday, not just today, but all the days of my life. It means that I can persevere in the midst of whatever circumstances come my way. And here's the ultimate promise. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It means that I have an eternal destination. This this season of our lives is temporary. The struggles that we go through in this life, they're temporary, they're fleeting, they're momentary. But we have an eternal destination and God has committed himself to me and to you to make sure that you make it all the way to the end. You will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's promise for us. And now that we've unpacked this psalm that often is 
you know, so placid and so like fuzzy. We see more clearly than ever before that this is a battle cry, that this is something that will anchor us, not when things are going well, but actually when things are difficult, when there's hardships and challenges. We declare this over ourselves. We prophesy this over ourselves. And we know that we have full access to these promises because God has said so. It is written so. It is given to us through God's inspired word of God. This is what I want us to do. And I'm going to um, ask, you know, um, our VB team, we're going to just look through the entire psalm. We're just going to read it off of the screen. And as we read through it, we're going to pray out and say out, you know, the, the meaning of it as well. So even if you're here in this room, we're going to read it all together from the very top. Here we go. Nice and slow. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Stop. It means... Next slide. It means I have provision. Next. He leads me beside quiet waters. This means I have peace. Next. He restores my soul. This means I have refreshment. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I have sanctification. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This means I have sustenance in trials and I have boldness in hardships. For you are with me. I have company. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I have protection and discipline as a son. You prepare a table before me. I have abundance. In the presence of my enemies, I have victory over my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. I have favor. My cup overflows. I have everything I need. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me my life i has hand on my life all the days of my life i have perseverance and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever i have an eternal destination let's read this all together from the very top to the bottom so can we go back uh, one more slide the lord is my shepherd I shall not be in want. I have protection. I have peace. I have refreshment. I have sanctification. I have sustenance in trials. I have boldness in hardships. I have company. I have protection and discipline as a son. I have abundance I have victory over my enemies. I have favor 
I have everything I need. I have God's hand on my life. I have perseverance. And I have an eternal destination. Amen. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. And we're going to have a time of prayer just through this. And for those who have never prayed through scriptures before, it's fairly easy. What you need to do is take a verse and apply it to yourself. Basically, expound on it. So, for example, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Father, I thank you that you are a shepherd who is good, who is faithful, and who makes sure that I have no lack. Then I go on to the next part. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Father, I thank you that I have provision, that everything that I need, every one of my needs, God, you anticipate. That you're a God who never fails to give what I need and the timing that I needed. You're perfect in your timing. You're perfect in your provision. He leads me beside quiet waters. Father, I thank you for your peace. Even when things shake around me, even when there's uncertainty in my life, I know that I have full access to a peace that transcends all understanding, and etc., etc. So we're going to take... Let's say a good five minutes, a good five minutes just to pray through these verses. Take it one at a time and simply thank the Lord for this promise that he's given you. Not someone else, not your neighbor, not your friend, not your family, but you. This promise that he has given you today. Just pray it out loud. Verse by verse, just for the next five minutes, we're going to focus in. We're going to give thanks to God for these promises. And then I'm going to close us in prayer. Let's pray together.